Bibles to John's Gospel, chapter 8. We've been in John's Gospel, or chapter 8, for a couple weeks. We probably have one more week in that, and then uh, it looks like we're going to stay in John for a while. Uh, we'll be in John chapter 9 next week if you want to read ahead. We're studying the life and the ministry of Jesus chronologically, and um, my goodness, uh, looking at my notes over all the week, we're going into our second year doing this. Do you believe that? It's been that long. And, uh, well, there's a lot to, to learn from Jesus' life, right? And the cool thing about it is, um, if you've been with us from the beginning, uh, you, know, you, you will have covered a lot of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you've been doing this with us from the very beginning. We started in John chapter 1, didn't we? In the beginning was the Word. And now here we are, just months away from the cross. But in that period of time, oh my goodness, Jesus gave a feast. Uh, I don't want to call it a smorgasbord, but, um, but he's given us uh, quite a bit to look at um, towards the end of his life here. Some weeks we take on a, a, a lot of verses. Uh, one week we almost covered a whole chapter. Uh, one central thought, but nonetheless, verse by verse, we, we covered the, a whole chapter. Sometimes we'll look at uh, just a few verses, and um, that's where we fall today. It's just uh, six verses here. It's something we uh, just wanted to show us. But John chapter 8 uh, beginning with, uh, where am I? Verse 32. Verse 31. Verse 30. Verse 30. No, I'm kidding. Okay, starting with verse 30. And as he spoke these things, many believed on him. And the then is 30. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my, uh, my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Then answered uh, him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou? You shall be made free. Jesus answered them, said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. It says, if the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. He goes on and, well, you know what? I am so tempted, but no, let's, let's stop there. We'll pick it up next week in verse 37. Father, would you stand with me? I'm so sorry. That hour really does affect you, doesn't it? Lord, thank you for your word. And again, Lord, we know that every bit of the word will be fulfilled. Every jot, every tittle. All the T's will be crossed, all the I's dotted, Lord. And again, Lord, to many of us that are here this morning, it is a privilege not only just to own a book like this or to hold it in our hands, but to be able to study it and to look into it. We know, Lord, that your word is powerful and we know that it has that ability to transform, conform, to be more. I think, Father, the reason we went into this whole series of just studying the life and the ministry of Jesus is because we want to know you. And we want to become more like you. I mean, what a goal that is, Lord, 
to be more like Jesus and less like the world. Father, please, I, I pray, Father, that you would just anoint us for such a time as this, pardon me, that you would just anoint us to receive your word. Set our minds, set our hearts apart for your purpose. Again, thank you for this, this time. We pray in Jesus' name and everyone said together, amen. I, again, I am struggling somewhat of, of how to deliver this, you know, because when we talk about freedom, um, everybody has a, a, strange ideas, don't they? You know, from leaders to religious leaders to the old hippies, you know, all you need is a little, some grain and beans and go out and live in Oregon and you're free. Um, but I think this whole concept of freedom, the origins, begins right here when Jesus talked about being free and free indeed. I believe that this passage is going to teach us uh, what true freedom is and how the Christian joy freedom. Um, but I know this too, as it comes to just my mind, to mind right now, is the world, by and large, though they might not admit it, they do, they do search for a freedom. That I saw this clip the other day that Billy Graham's association put out. It was these artists, young kids. They amazed me what they can do with a spray can. But they were a spray can, they kind of did this mural of this kid uh, with an empty hole, something void. And of course, there was a, a young man who had the gift of poetry. And he went on about how that hole is, is filled and, and how you can just enjoy the freedom that God wants to give to, to humanity. And I think maybe all of us were there at one point. You know, I was looking for a freedom. I wanted to be free from fear. I wanted to be free from doubt and and God did come in 1973 and he filled that void but Christians too Christians though they don't know that God has filled that void spiritually they still seek for a freedom you could be here today and you're looking for a freedom and the reason in our text this morning but uh, it's because you just don't understand what Jesus was getting at in the, these verses and how it is obtained you know you can enjoy freedom you know but freedom is a very powerful word isn't it and it's a very powerful reality to some and uh, if we look at the world by, law, in law, by large it's, it's an addictive world it is bound by all sorts things and uh, and we look at this world and, and the, some, some might claim to be free when you really look at their lives you notice that you're not free at all you can have all the money in the world you can have all the possessions of the, of the world but yet still you're in bondage you're not free you're not free I'll explain why they're not in a minute so when I look at this text I think that this should be something that should excite our hearts that we can honestly 
conclusion, maybe not in totality, but some conclusion of what real freedom is. Again, you know, the context again, of course, that's why I read um, the verse right before it. Uh, this happens again uh, there right after the woman was caught in, a, in, in adultery. They're on the Temple Mount. It's right after the Feast of Tabernacle. We know as Jesus is giving a Bible study, it's rudely interrupted by religious leaders. And um, the crowd, uh, by and large, once, once Jesus, um, you know, um, declared to them who he was, the, the, the crowd there, just in general, uh, struggled over his claims. Jesus then goes in to defend his claims. That was our last week week's study. And he does it, and does it very masterfully, I, I feel. Um, there were those who believed that he was the Messiah, not only just in general, but the, the Jews, the, um, the Pharisees. Now, when you look at verse 31 in our text this morning, it says, Then said Jesus to those Jews who, which believed on him, that if you continue in my word, then you are indeed, or you are my disciples, indeed. Now again, uh, for most part, most uh, commentaries, uh, commentary uh, would say that who he's speaking to when it, ta when it speaks there, um, the Jews which believed uh, on him, he, that he's not speaking of the, the, the Jews in general. Now remember, he's on that Temple Mount, and it's primary. Well, it is. It's just Jewish men and Jewish women because they they are in the court of the women. And um, when Jesus arrived there early in that morning, those who were following Jesus at that particular time encircled him. He then took that role of a teacher. He sat. The rest stood. Um, but when it talks about the Jews who believe, he's not talking about that general crowd, but he's talking about Jewish um, religious leaders. And when we read through the Gospels, we do find out that they're in, within the Pharisees, um, there were a group of them who really believed in his claims. Uh, this claim that he made that he was the light of the world. And if you follow me, you won't walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And so there were many there that said, okay. And the reason why I think he's speaking um, to this group, our Jewish religious leaders, because a little later on in the same chapter, we're going to read next week, we're going to read where he calls them the children of the devil. Um, your father is of the devil. I think it's in verse uh, 42, somewhere in there. And now I don't think he's calling that whole group of Jewish men and women that you're all of your father the devil. So I really believe he's just primarily talking to the religious leaders. And uh, again in verse 31, that uh, the Jews in which believed in him, these religious leaders, if you continue in my words or in my teaching, then you are indeed, or you're my disciples indeed. Um, the one who would experience this freedom, uh, possible for these uh, disciples indeed. So it's important for us to understand what a disciple is. Um, we always say that we are disciples, and indeed you are. Uh, but you are. There's a difference between being a disciple and being a disciple indeed. 
A disciple is a person who voluntarily places himself under the teaching and the leading of another person. So again, just to kind of give you a little history, some manner, mannering, uh, manners and customs, that if you were a rabbi, let's say Hillel or Gamai, some of these real popular rabbis, and you ventured up onto the Temple Mount, and you went into the court of the women, or you went into the court, um, you would then, everyone would recognize who you were. And if you were a follower of Gamaliel, then you would go and start to encircle him. He would sit down like Jesus did. Um, and then he, then you would begin to, to listen to his teaching, and you would decide whether you wanted to be a learner under his tutorage or his teaching, and then you would begin to follow him. And so what a disciple is is someone who has made up his mind that he does agree with Hillel and Gamaliel, by the way, were from two different schools of, of thought, two different camps. Uh, if, when it came to divorce, Hillel believed more, uh, like a liberal did, that you could just write a woman off and, for burning your eggs. And Hillel said, no, no, it's, the Bible teaches that only for sexual immorality or sexual sin. So that's why they had different followings at that particular time. And so we're talking about followers, right? Jewish are followers, disciples indeed. Uh, again, they've made this profession, a verbal confession to follow him. Now, Jesus spoke of those who were just followers in the parable of um, the parable of the sower. Some were sown amongst the, uh, the stony ground, and that means that was someone who made a profession and he began to grow because it was sown into the stony ground. Once the, the sun came up, it scorched it, they withered away, and they were no more. Well, that could be someone who makes a profession that, you know, I like Jesus' teaching. I want to uh, kind of, um, again, just maybe gravitate to some of his teaching, but not all of it. Well, okay, he might be a disciple, but not an indeed disciple. And I'm not really trying to squabble over words, but that word indeed literally means truly. You truly are one. So, so just thinking of that word, truly you're not. So you say, you know, I'm a good Christian. A Christian is a Christian. Either you're born again as a child of God, you know, and you're a Christian, or you're not a Christian. And so that's what I think this means. When you are indeed a disciple in your heart of heart, you, that's it. I am following. Now you're saying, how are you really beating this, this point up? I need to. Because we're all talking about freedom this morning. And we, we're all in need. And the world is in need of freedom. There are many people in the world would say, yeah, I'm a disciple of Jesus, but are you one indeed? Well, no, I don't want to go that far. Well, then you're just someone who likes the teachings of Jesus and you don't want to commit your life to him. You get my point so far, gang? An indeed disciple is one who wants to be conformed there are many ver voices out there, right? There are many voices trying to conform us into some identity. 
I don't know what camp you might have come from, but whatever camp that is, that was a voice. There are many voices out there. So whose voice are we listening to this morning? Whose teachings are we willing to embrace? Who are we following after? And we want to become more like that rabbi, more like that teacher. Is it Jesus? And if it is, then the disciple indeed is one who would say, I want to be conformed into his image. You know, a lot hangs in the balance, guys, when it comes to this subject of freedom. And if you want to tip the scale more towards your true and, and genuine freedom, then it all lies within the word of God. It all, it all lies in with, within the word. Look, look at some of the characteristics. Look at verse 32, where he says, You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You want to experience true freedom? We've got to understand that it doesn't come intellectually. And there are those that think that. Not the indeed disciple or the disciple indeed. But it's the one that says, you know what? If I have enough intellectual knowledge of this Bible and of this Christ, then I must, you know, I must be able to experience freedom. You won't experience it intellectually. It might be true to a certain extent, though. I don't want to just discredit that and make a blanket statement. There are those that might say, you know what, if I read enough passages about a particular bondage in my life, maybe something that's mastered my life, if I know, and you might, you might be able to, to get victory for a period of time. But if you really want to enjoy this complete, complete freedom, Jesus Christ, you know, the key lies in that word to know. The key to knowing God, to know the truth. That word truth there represents God's word, by the way. The word to know there is a word in the Greek language, and there are some Greek words you should know. At least you might, you know, put them in your hearts and keep them there for reference. But it is genoskos is the way you would pronounce that. Some would say genoskis. But this word genoskos really literally means is to have a, a relationship That's how you're gaining the knowledge of this truth. Literally, and I want to be very careful with this because I see young faces out there. But the word is used as a Jewish idiom for a sexual intercourse between a husband and a wife. That is how well they become acquainted with each other with this intimacy. So if we really want to enjoy this freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, we need to have this kind of relationship. You can say, I am indeed a disciple, not just a disciple. I have a place in my heart for the word of God. He abides in it. And when you abide in the word of God, then all of a sudden it just comes on like this, this, this megawatt light bulb where you begin to know what is wrong and what is truth. What's false? What's truth? What's wrong? What's right? And all of a sudden the word of truth, you discover it is so alive, it's more alive than even myself. Because sometimes I just feel dead. I feel dead to what's around me. I feel dead. Sometimes I don't want to lift my head off a pillow. Come on, I'm speaking real now, aren't I? 
You're dead to your mate. You're dead to your children. You're dead and you just don't want to continue. That's what I mean. The word of God is more alive to you. And you're able just to, you can't live without get up. Without taking your next breath. That's what it means to have knowledge of the word of God. It is a crying shame that a person only receives the Bible on a Sunday morning. You don't understand how badly you're ripping yourself off. You are robbing yourself of something so glorious, and it's called freedom in Jesus. It comes by being a disciple indeed. And it only comes by a love relationship with the Word of God. Your Bible that you have there in your hands on your lap sitting next to you, you should be in love with that more than anything in this world. Anything. You know, I think there are a lot of people out there, believers, that are just going crazy today. They can't understand the struggles. Well, it's simply because they're not go to a church that teaches the word of God and that's happening at such a rapid rate it's just really starting to bug me a little bit I don't know why any Christian who wants to be a disciple will go to a church where they're just entertained and they're not being fed the word of God I hope you feel like you're having a feast this morning I think that the teaching of his word should be way more important than even the worship service the worship service is cool for your pastor because it just kind of opens the door so I can come up here and deliver God's word to you. You see, I believe the word of God affects us emotionally and it affects us physically. And there are some people even out there today that are suffering physically and emotionally and it's, and it's a result of a bondage within their lives. The reason they're still bound by some issue in their life, again, maybe they never heard they could be free indeed. Maybe they're still thinking that it, maybe it's a formula I have to follow, or maybe it's certain meetings I have to attend, or maybe, listen, the Bible's very clear about our freedom. I'm not saying there's not external helps out there. Please don't mis, misread me here. But either the Bible is r right 100% of it, or it's the biggest fabricated lie on the face of the earth. And guess what? You have the freedom to choose. One of them. You're either going to be a disciple, free indeed, and you believe that the word of God is living, powerful, sharper than a double-edged sword. Where can I go? you got the words to eternal life. You can't go anywhere except to the word of God. Did not our hearts burn within us as you opened the word of God? You have to be there in your Bible. People suffer physically, even today, as a result of their bondage, B.C. and even after you came to Christ. People are still suffering. I think many times when Jesus said to them, you're, you know, your sins are forgiven, go sin no more, the reason they were sick was because of a, a past life. I see it within the addiction group, you know. They're suffering today, hepatitis, all that sort of thing, venereal disease. It's, it's suffering from the past. But even spiritually, idolatry. I see people suffering within the church of Jesus because they just don't recognize things have become an idol in their lives. And now, 
suffering. They don't know if they're right with God, wrong with God. They don't know if God's pulled their hand away from them. And there's all kinds of emotional disease out there. Not disease, shortcomings. Jesus said in verse 32 again, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Freedom is only the byproduct. Freedom is not our aim. We're not aiming for freedom. The freedom that he speaks here is very passive. It is obedience to the word of God that makes a person free. I think that what tips the scale is that what we put obedience to the word that so outweighs all our bondage. It outweighs our, our troubles. It outweighs our difficulties. Obedience to the word of God. Some would say, I'm the king of grace. I'm not talking about law. I'm not saying to you as if you come up, you know, with some legalistic system or man-made traditions, and if you follow these, these principles, you're going to be set free. That's law. But what I'm telling you is there are certain things within the New Testament, and you would be 100% correct by saying this is a New Testament law. And one of those New Testament laws or encouragements to follow is look into the Word, and when you see something that applies to your life, and you will experience great freedom. You're with me this morning? Verse 34, Jesus answered and he says to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever commits sin, you're a servant of sin. Verse 36 says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free and free indeed. From God's perspective, when we sin, and I mean habitually, I'll deal with that whole thing of the sinful nature in a minute, but when we sin habitually, we keep living a lifestyle. God's perspective is we become a, a servant to it. We're enslaved. It simply reveals that, that it is a master in our lives. You know, it's, I think it's very easy. There's a, there is a master-slave relationship. And, and the master will be the one. And the slave is the one who will be doing the obeying. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 6 verse 16. For you, note, you note takers. He says, know we not to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey. His servants you are to whom you obey. Whether of sin to death or obedience unto righteousness. And again, the Bible's perspective on all this is that we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. You with me? I think in and of ourselves, we're never going to be able to, to free ourselves from bondage. This goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Great, 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 great grandmom and grandpa. Again, as I had said earlier, we might be able to kind of free ourselves from a particular sin for a period of time, you know, but only discover that we pick up another. We might think, well, now I'm not getting drunk anymore, but now we're dealing with fornication. 
we might think, okay, I'm not fornicating anymore, but now I'm getting high. I'm not getting high anymore, but I don't know where this greed came from. And it goes, it's called the sin shuffle. No, it's not a dance. And the reason I think that people deal with that issue is because they think freedom is just being able to choose what I want to choose and I'm free I don't do that anymore yeah but you're doing that well I'm free I don't do any but that's not freedom freedom's freedom and I believe God is the same yesterday today and forever and that's another old friend of mine he's a God that changeth not and if whom the son is going to set free he is going to be free indeed now we'll throw that in fact we had a group one time years ago it was called our free indeed meeting the meetings we have one here called the missing piece and i'm all for it i support it 1000 percent. but when i hear someone saying oh man i'll never stay clean unless i go to the free indeed meeting you see something wrong with that you're still in bondage man you're not free it might be just another i go to the free indeed or the missing pieces because i just love the word of god you've been free indeed but if you're going there thinking that's the only thing that's keeping me healthy and clean But you can be. And you should be as a child of God. You with me, church? There are some people that are, you know. In fact, when we first moved into this place, 2015, I think it was. And uh, this is my old neighborhood. I grew up right here. And so there's still a lot of my BC friends that still live in this area. And when they heard that I, we had bought St. Matt's, it was called St. Matt's. They started driving by and seeing if I was around. And uh, this is one, one particular time, I don't know if it was Juan or Jerry, but a couple of the guys from my old neighborhood came in and they said, hey, hey, and got their attention and said, is it true Harry Presley pastors this church? And he goes, sure is. And all they did was start laughing. Unbelievable. sets free he's free indeed another friend went back and he said this to me because I couldn't believe you were still in this stuff and he didn't use the word stuff I said well that's because Jesus is in me but some people would think how, how do you do it all these years do I have to climb the Himalayas? Do I have to walk up a set of steps on glass? Do I have to whip my back with cords? Do I have to do hoops? Do, is it gymnastics? What do I have to do to enjoy this freedom? No, well, no, it just it begins by a decision that everyone needs to make. And I, I, I believe that even today, if you're born again, but you're just a disciple, you're not a disciple, it's a decision that you need to make today, that you truly, indeed, will begin to fall in love with the Word, and you will allow it to abide in you. The word abide is very interesting. It's another key word to understand what Jesus is talking about. The word abide literally means to bring home for comfort. It would be like me saying to you on a cold and windy and rainy day, and I have a living room with a pellet stove and 
I got warm hot chocolate on and, you know, and I, just, and I say, listen, I want you to come home with me. And I want you to do something with me. In fact, I want you to sit in my lazy board. I don't have one. I want to get a lazy board, but I don't have. But I want you to abide in my lazy boy. One of those that just kind of, when you sit in it, just hugs you. And I, and I just want you to abide here. And I want you to enjoy all the comforts. In fact, I'll bring you your hot chocolate. And you hear some slippers. I, that's what you're saying. Hey, that's goofy. No, but that's what exactly that Greek word means. Now, here's the question for the disciple indeed. Is that how the word of God is treated in your hearts? Or is it just something that's there, it's dormant, or is something there you only pull off the shelf whenever you need it? You got a hiccup in life and you're saying, you know what, I'm just going to pull that off. I'm really dealing with anger today, so I'm going to go look up all the verses about anger. You know, that lust is coming back into my life, so I think what I'll do is I'll pull, pull this thing off the shelf and I'll start reading about everything about I can on pornography or whatever that issue is. But you see, that's not abiding in the Word of God. That Word of God should feel so comfortable in your hearts. It, it, shall ne it should never miss you. You know, it's not like, okay, I hope he shows up today. I hope she just picks it up today. It's something that's there every day of your lives. The Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God. When that happens, a greater desire takes place. It takes place and uh, you begin to obey the Word. He gives you then power over those those sin issues in, in your life. Power that you've never had. It's sort of like... It's sort of like the, the pull of gravity. You know, sin is like the pull of gravity. You know, it's a constant pull. Even for the child of God, there's always, we have the sinful nature. That's not going to be done away with until we are caught up to meet him in the air. Right, church? The man or the woman who ever says, I don't have any sin at all, has made God out to be a liar. But it is a pull. It's a constant pull. I wouldn't be so naive to think otherwise. But yet, if I can just paint another silly picture for you. That same pull, the pull of gravity, the pull of sin. That pull of gravity still applies to a jet, a plane. But the difference is, the 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 pull of that jet outweighs the pull of, of gravity, doesn't it? There's more thrust behind it. There's more power behind it. When that pilot gives that thrust to that aircraft, there's a greater law, even a greater law than the law of gravity. And so it is for the child of God. There might be that constant pull in your life, but man, there is a greater law. And that greater law, many of them, but one of them is the power of the word of God. But only if it's taken up as only if it's abiding in your heart. You know where Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. If any man, any woman, any child hears my voice, if he would just let me in, I will come in and I will abide with him. That word abide literally means the same word. To tabernacle, he takes up permanent residence. And he never, by the way, if you look at that painting, there Jesus is in the garden, he's knocking at the door. How many have ever seen that painting? Look closely at that door, there is no door handle on it. 
You have, he, you have to open it up to allow Jesus to come in. And so too, the principle is the same. You have to open up your life for the word of God and allow it to take up that residence, permanent residence, to feel comfortable there. You know, in verse 33, um, again, but we, speaking about those religious leaders, we're descendants of Abraham. They said, we have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we will be set free? You know, you want to look at this group of guys and say, okay, so, you know, lay off the caffeine or something. Take it easy. You know, it is some anger and we're, we're descendants of Abraham. You know, I look at this verse, and at first I read it because we've read it so many times. But then I began to start to think, you know, you talk about one verse, you can say, here's a case of self-denial. Here's some people who either believe the lie so long they really believe it. And I don't mean just spiritually speaking. I mean even physically. As We've never been to bondage to any man. What, are you kidding me? What about the Egyptians? crying out loud, Greeks had you for a time period, and now Rome has you. You've never been free. And so, too, you might even hear a world, somebody who's not a believer saying, I am free, and I am just perfectly fine here. You know, maybe Jesus would say, well, do you remember your history? Remember, you were in bondage to drugs. You were in bondage to alcohol. You were in bondage to, to murder when you hate someone. It's you're in bondage, you know, to greed and, and covetousness. You know what you mean? Let's just check out the history here. And then, of course, in the present, he's even speaking presently, because you're still in bondage. Look at Rome. You wonder, you know, this is, you know, you tell somebody, you know, sorry, but you really don't have freedom at all. They get offended at that. You tell them that if you want to be free, receive Jesus Christ and you'll be free from the bondage of sin and death, according to Paul the Apostle. I don't anything. What are you kidding me? There's a mountain of, of evidence in your past. You've always been bound to something. And look before you. We're free. We've never, you know, the best thing you could do them to tell them is just don't ignore your history. Don't ignore your history and, and don't, don't ignore the, um, the present situation you're involved with now. You're not free, but you can be. And you can be free indeed. Truly. You know, um, <clears throat> there's several groups in this story. You have the religious leaders, Jesus would say, the Jews. You have the group of Jewish women, the group of Jewish men. We're on the, we're in the court. You have all the, and you have the group that's opposing. They're, they're mad about what Jesus is saying. Some are saying, "Hey, you better clarify yourself." We have all these different groups, but I think there's also another group. I think there's the group that's not saying a word. They're just the quiet ones. They're pondering it. They're thinking about it. 
Maybe some of them are even say, you know what, Jesus, you're right. You're right. I am not free. Not sure if I want to be free now that being free indeed means. And that's your choice. You can choose to not be free. It's totally up to you. There are some, even Christians, that don't want to be totally free. They don't want to let go up, let go of the things that has them in bondage. I see a lot of that even with pastors, that they're so bound to the ministry. There's no freedom. They're bound. It's, they, 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 you ever hear of a pastor being burned out? How many of you guys have ever heard that term? He's burned out. He needs a, what do you, tell, what do you call that when you... Uh, Guys are mind readers. Yeah, gift gift of mind reading. Um, it's about you know. I, I like to take a long vacation. Houseboat. Just coast up and down for, but to be away from you guys more than a couple weeks drives me crazy. Yeah, I get tired, but I'm. It's not about the, the ministry to me is a calling. It's it's air. It's breathing. It's I I couldn't imagine. You guys are going to have to put up with me till the day I die. I'm sorry. No retirement for this old guy, you know. I want to die right up here. I did. And all you guys will go, well, he went the way he wanted to go. Would that be glorious? Just checking out in front of you. So I go, going home. But it says, I'm burned out. I wonder what bondage he's in. I wonder if he's part of that group just kept his mouth shut and says, you know, I'll be real. I don't, I don't want to give it up. And I'm not judging you about heaven or hell. That's, we'll deal with that next week. But um, not me. I want to be free. I want to be free. I, I want his word to abide in me. I want it to feel so calm in my life. I want to say the word is waiting for me every morning and every evening. I want to be a disciple, not just a disciple, but a disciple indeed. I want to truly, truly experience this God-given freedom. How many are with me this morning? Rich, if you'll make your way out. You know, I had this part two of this, and I was going to try to get it all in there, but there's no way to do that. But this is a message. Christian, listen to me for a second. I'm going to your Bible, as you should. But listen to me, you and I have a responsibility as disciples indeed to tell other disciples. We have, a, we, have to, we have to tell them that man has been searching for freedom from the beginning of time. You know, you go all the way back where we see the origin of, the, you know, uh, of when freedom was canceled out. And that goes to the third chapter in Genesis where we see that mankind decided bondage rather than freedom through a lie and then what we see always too is there's always an answer to that loss we have to tell people the answer is is this that when before you became a christian you were caught in the the bondage of your sin but jesus christ can come in and he can give you true freedom from spiritual death and you can be set free this morning and then as you lead them to the Lord, you can tell them now Jesus can continue to free as you put your, your hope into his word, as you make him, your, you make yourself a disciple. I think it's our responsibility. 
to tell people that. Jesus came to set us free, not to keep us in bondage. If you believe that, give me a fat amen this morning. Let's stand together. You know, I realize this message really was a, a call to salvation. And maybe there's one or two last week in the week, or last week in both services, I think, I don't want to exaggerate, maybe 20 people raised their hands to receive Christ as their Savior. That floored me. It really did. The church isn't to be That's a big mistake the church has made. That's why they keep doing evangelistic messages because that's the foundation of that church. But the church is to be fed the word of God, not to be evangelized. I'm hoping this morning that everyone in this room saved. That's my prayer. Every one of you. But I know people from time to time, they wander in and Maybe you invited someone, a relative, a neighbor. And to what I'm saying right now, it's so foreign to them because it's got a lot of Christianese in it, a lot of Christian lingo and on. But you see, for, for the person that might not truly understand what I've been talking about, you will never understand it unless you really deal with spiritual bondage. And that is, you're bound to the world. Mm -hmm. But the Son of Man came to set us free from the world, right? Set us free from the bondage of sin. And he continues to do that. So if you're here this morning and, and you're the silent one, you kind of think what I'm saying is true, but not too sure you want to really make the Word of God, you know, a part of your life then just make your prayer a sinner's prayer. Just say, Jesus, but I know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I don't sin because I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner because... No, I got that backwards. I want to get that right. I sin because I'm a sinner. I'm not a sinner because I sin. Thank you. It's our nature. It's your nature. In the Bible, we just memorize this. That if you just believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, it's that easy. Christian, don't make salvation difficult for people. It's a free gift. And if you just say in your heart, Lord, come in to my life. Possibly you could be saved with just that one little sentence. Because you made him the Lord and you know that he's risen from the dead. You Christian. You don't have to still you don't you can experience a greater law. You can ex experience the thrust, the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to stay in bondage. Just lower your head just for a second. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. 
And Lord, we want to be more thankful this morning. Lord, we just pray that right now you would open each and every one of our hearts. And as Romans says, pour your word into our hearts. Father, whatever would make your word uncomfortable in our hearts, Lord, we confess it before you and we put it under the blood of Jesus. Give us a desire to want to know you more, Lord. Give us a desire, Lord, to just say yes to the commands of your word. Because now it isn't what we read on tablets, Lord. It's what we see written in our hearts. So please, Lord. If we've been ignoring your word, forgive us. We so embrace it this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said together.